It's 12.08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, another cold day. Eric Bilstadt, my little dog, 5 in the morning, she yeah. wants to go out. I felt I felt terrible. I mean, it's, it was, I don't know how early you were out this morning, but it was it was awful. It wasn't just a cold, but it was like that 30-mile-an-hour wind oh, out of the yeah. north. It was oh, just, yeah. just absolutely horrible. So um, Now, of course, for me, this is my last I'm taking off next week to kind of go chase the sun. So I'm figuring, okay, I, I can get through one more day, but I'll, I'll be pulling for you. I'll be thinking about you. No, you won't. Don't, don't lie to me. <laughs> no, as I'm sitting there watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or something like that, I'll, I'll be thinking about I will, I promise. I'm going to make sure I'm going to text you every day. <laughs> is that it right around that time? I'll, 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 that's it. Check out on my Twitter account. I'll, I'll post a couple pictures of that. No, we take our, uh, Fran and I take our annual vacation down the, in chasing, chasing the sun. So looking forward to that. Um, next week, Scott Warris and uh, Jerry Bader are going to be filling in for me at various times. Hey, you can follow me at Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, matter of fact, I will post some things when I'm not here next week. But I just posted something. We're going to discuss this in just a little bit. If you want to know the story, seven days ago today, you had the Department of Public Works worker, Brian Rodriguez, who was killed by the by a hit-and-run driver. Now, I've been talking about this off and on this week because they, they have the car. They have the woman who was the passenger in the car. They know who this was, and now the DA's office has issued charges. We're going to talk a little bit about the details of this, but the, the guy who is accused, and we always have to say allegedly because the state has the burden of proof, but the guy who is responsible for killing this public worker, he, he's, he's been on the lam for the last week. And my big question is, how does, how does this guy think it, it ends? And once they catch him, what should happen to him? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. If you want to know, again, some of the details, I've sent out a link to one of the stories. You can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. All right. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. We've got national stories. We've got state stories. We've got local stories. And we've got some fun stories all leading up to Pop Culture Corner this weekend at 2.30. Let's get started with the big national story of the day. As predicted, there will not be a government shutdown. President Trump has agreed to sign the continuing resolution agreed upon by an overwhelming majority of members of both the House and the Senate, which will keep the government open. That continuing resolution does not give the president all the money that he wanted to build a border wall or build fencing or or whatever along the southern border. Now, by the way, even if he had gotten the 5.5 or 5.7 billion that he wanted, that would have been enough to put up a, a wall across the entire border. But it would have come closer to what he ended up wanting. The ultimate package that he signed off on is $1.375 billion, which is still a lot of money, that's going to be used to construct additional fencing or whatever. Interestingly enough, that's less than President Trump could have gotten with a deal that was apparently on the table in December before the, the shutdown. But it is what it is. So President Trump says, all right, I'm going to sign this. But here's what I'm going to do. I am committed to building the wall. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my presidential powers to declare a national emergency. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit, well, you know, 
probably, let's see, five, six, seven, almost $7 billion to building the wall. I'm going to take the $1.375 billion that I'm getting from Congress. Then I'm going to take $600 million from the Treasury's Drug Forfeiture Fund. Then I'm going to take $2.5 billion from the Pentagon's Drug Interdiction Program. And then I'm going to take $3.5 billion from the Pentagon Military Construction Budget. And I'm going to use all that to build the wall. Now, in this country, we have a system of checks and balances. We do not have a, a king. We have a legislature that passes laws. We have an executive branch that signs those laws into, that, that enacts the laws, that, that signs them into law. And then we have courts, which act as a check on both the legislature and the president. So how can the president take all this money that's been allocated for other things. Well, he declares a national emergency. Let me give you a little background, then we're going to open up the phone lines. In 1976, Congress passed the National Emergencies Act, which permits the president to pronounce a national emergency when he considers it appropriate. There's no specific definition of emergency, and the law allows a president to declare one entirely at his or her discretion. And then once you declare emergency, an emergency, that triggers these other specialized laws. Now, we have had national emergencies declared in the past. Normally, normally, these involve economic sanctions against foreign countries whose activities pose a national threat. There's also a handful of declarations that have involved non-economic crises. President Clinton declared a national emergency during the 1996 Cuban embargo. President Obama declared a national emergency during the swine flu epidemic in 2009 to activate disaster plans to set up proper treatments. Uh, President Bush declared a national emergency after the terror attacks of 2001. But, but. It's not something that is commonly done to get funding for something that has been rejected by Congress. All right. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think think President Trump is wrong to be doing what he's doing. In, In this regard, I'm on board with a handful of Wisconsin Republican congressmen and with a lot of Democrats. Let me explain why. To me, this isn't about a border wall. It's not about a border wall at all. What it's really about is the scope of presidential authority. And by that I mean, if you can have a president who decides, well, I can't get what I want from Congress. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around Congress and I'm going to do this. It is a scary precedent. Now, think about this. What happens if the next president is a Democrat and he or she decides, well, I've decided that uh, gun violence is an epidemic in this country and I'm going to declare a national emergency and I'm going to divert all sorts of funding towards various gun control measures. What if? The next president, he or she decides climate change is a national emergency. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all these resources that are allocated for other things and I'm going to use it towards climate change. 
That's the slippery slope you go down. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this an appropriate exercise of discretion by the president? And and don't get me wrong. the, the, The act is so broad that he may very well be able to to legally do this. Maybe. But I guess the question is, do we want presidents to have this ability? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. We are going to be live streaming this segment, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. So you can check that out as well. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. I think that this is, and I would argue this if this was Barack Obama doing it. I would argue this if it was Bill Clinton doing this. I think that this is an inappropriate use of presidential power, and I think just like when Harry Reid changed the rules with regard to making it easier to confirm judges, just like a lot of us predicted, you know what, that's going to come back and it's going to bite the Democrats in the butt, and, and it has. Well, I think what's going on today, if it stands, is going to come back and it's going to bite, bite conservatives in the butt. 414-799-1620. We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. Once again, Facebook.com slash 620WTMJ if you want to watch and participate in that fashion. Twelve twenty, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're just li- started live streaming this segment, Facebook.com slash six twenty WTMJ. Okay, the president has used the, this nineteen seventy six law to declare a national emergency, and he says that's going to give him the authority to take money which has been appropriated for other things and spend it on building the border wall. Right? I I think this is a mistake, and it's not about the border wall per se. It's about, is this the type of thing that is really a national emergency? And do we want presidents, every time they have a certain policy that they want to advance, to be able to say, who cares what Congress says? I'm just going to do what I want. And mark my words, if President Trump is ultimately allowed to do this by the courts, and he may very well be, I think this is going to be a day that a lot of conservatives are going to regret maybe two years from now, maybe four years from now, maybe 10 years from now. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mark in Bayview. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, sir. Hi, Mark. Hey, um, you know, Jeff, you and I don't agree on a lot of topics, but um, I do agree with you on this one. He's setting a very dangerous precedence in doing this. Um, if it was a true national emergency, there would be bipartisan support, and there isn't. And uh, I, I really think that this is going to really hurt the Republicans in the long run um, in the polls. Well, well, I mean, see, I, I, I don't know. But I, I just I, I want to even try, in the spirit of bipartisanship, Mark, to, to look at, at kind of the bigger picture. You know, we have this system of checks and balances that are out there. And right. I, I guess it, it bothers me that you can have a president, conservative, liberal, Republican or Democrat, who isn't able to get Congress you know, a whole separate branch of government to do what he wants. They're not willing to give him the money. So you just say, well, I'm going to declare a national emergency and I'm going to do it anyway. And I just I, I just think it's a bad precedent that's going to come back, just like I was saying earlier, Harry Reid changing the rules for judges came back and bit Democrats in the butt in a big way. I think the same thing is going to happen. I think there's going to be a boomerang a few years from now. I, I really think so, too. And you know what? I This is, with him doing this, though, 
other checks and balances will be put in place so this doesn't happen again. Well, right, that that's going to be the question now. <clears throat> this, you know, part of the reason back in 1976 when you had this Emergency Powers Act, they wanted it to be broad. So, you know, to give the executive, you know, the ability to deal with some of the different crises. Now, I, I seriously wonder, are you going to see a bipartisan effort to really much more narrowly define what an emergency is? Is that going to be the response? We'll, we'll, we'll see. Thank we you. will. Now, thanks for calling. Again, and this, this I, I want to be clear here. In my opinion, that this is not a conservative versus liberal, Republican versus Democrat thing. And, and I don't – it's just – this is, I think, a, a virtually unprecedented expansion of presidential power. And that's what I find to be disturbing, because even if you're, you know, one of these diehards and you want to let's let's have the wall. Well, OK, is this really the type of thing that that National Emergencies Act was designed to deal with? Is this gee, is this 9-11? And, and I think it's hard to say that it's 9-11. Let's talk to Dan on the south side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Dan, I'm sorry, Freddie? Freddie in Milwaukee. Hi, Freddie. Sorry. Hi, Freddie. Okay, I'm sorry, too. And listen, I I think this is a a sad situation because, you know, this is all part of Donald Trump's uh, personal DNA. He wants to be in complete control and have the complete say-so. That's why he shows so much admiration for guys like Putin and Xi and Kim in Korea because what they say goes. That's why he also contradicts what our own NSA and CIA and NSA are trying to tell him, because he's, he wants to mirror Putin and Putin's KGB. Right. So what he says goes, and this is it. You know, this is, this is, this is showing his, his personal envy for power. Well, I think, I mean, thanks. I see, I don't know that it goes that far. It, it, it's, this is a cornerstone of his political campaign, you know, and, and I think he feels under pressure to, to deliver to his supporters, you know, what he promised them. So this is what he has to do. And, and look, and again, I don't care whether you think the wall needs to be built or, or not. I mean, is it really a national emergency in the scale of floods? or earthquakes, or hurricanes, or 9-11. And to me, this is a policy matter, and reasonable people can agree or disagree about the wall, but is it, in fact, a national emergency? Okay, now let's try Dan on the south side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon there. Hey, uh, I 100% agree with you. I've got a couple questions for you. I mean, here's the thing. He had every opportunity to call this an emergency. I mean, he had the Right before he signed it out, February bill, he could have done it. Then in December, he could have done it. And when he first took office, he could have done it. Yep. Why did he do it? Well, I think he didn't do it because he was hoping to try to get Congress to do this for him, so he didn't have to. He didn't have to go to this extraordinary measure, which may or may not be legally sustainable. All right. And since you're a big lawyer, man, and Ed, <laughs> I got to ask you a question. How do you see the Supreme doing this? Because everything I just said to you, I believe that they're going to say, how can you declare emergency when there's, I mean, if you got to tell the center, how, could, how do you see the Supreme Court going? Well, I think, I mean, thanks for calling. Look, I, I, I don't know. I don't claim to, this is an obscure area of law. 
And so I, I don't know that anybody can predict how the Supreme Court is going to decide this, except I would say this. The, when Congress passed this this act back in 1976, they left the definition of emergency as, as extremely broad. Um, they, they didn't define it. And they did that on purpose because they didn't want to hamstring a president. They didn't want to get into an argument about, hey, you're declaring a national emergency because we're attacked. You know, and, and do we how do we want to define what an attack is or something like this? So they left it very, very broad. My initial reaction is that ultimately, and again, I don't know what circuit courts of appeal are going to do or anything like that. My initial reaction is because of the language of the law and because it's so broad, my guess is the president probably has the power to do this. Could be wrong, but I would not be surprised if ultimately the Supreme Court says, okay, the way the law is written, it's broad enough to allow the president to define what an emergency is. That's what I am concerned about because, again, it's not just this wall, but think of all sorts of other examples of where, and it's a policy matter. You've got a Democratic president. You've got a Republican Congress. Let's say it's a Republican Congress. And again, you've got the whole issue of climate control, uh, of, of climate change. And you have a president that wants to impose all sorts of draconian sort of measures on various industries in order to, let, let's say, accomplish the, the climate change objective. All right, do, do we really want him to be able to do that or her to be able to do that if Congress isn't on board? That's the worry. 414-799-1621, open phone line. We're going to continue this for one more segment, a lot of interest in this. I think, and I, I'm with Glenn Grothman conservative congressman from our area and a couple other Republican congressmen from the state who are concerned about this exercise of power. We do this for one more segment. We continue live streaming facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Back with more in just a minute. It's 1228. This is Jeff Wagner. It's time for the Milwaukee Basketball Report. The Milwaukee Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This week's Spring Into Your Home Showcase is sponsored by Adair Floors and Remodeling. Get personal care by Adair. We're going to continue this for one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And I'm Jeff Wagner. Coming up next, we continue the conversation. Even if you agree with President Trump that we should have a border wall, is he going about doing it the right way? We discuss. If you're on the line, hold on. Twelve thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. David and Mequon. David, thanks for waiting. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Uh, I actually going to have to say I strongly disagree with you today. Okay, tell me why. That's rare. Um, you know, in this situation, <clears throat> you know, the president obviously he's view, viewing it as an emergency. The law itself is used by the president. It doesn't violate the separation of powers in this instance because it's being applied quite narrowly with the president moving around funds, which he was empowered to do, again, by Congress. And keep in mind that the Pentagon money that he's taking was already allocated, was not spent, was supposed to be used for other things. He has every right to to do that. So he's not rewriting the actual law. He's actually just taking some funds, uh, which in this case, you know, this, this is supposed to have been done decades ago. And the reason why we're in this mess is because we haven't really t- uh, tackled immigration um, in this country for a long, long time. Does it so. concern you 
that the next president, whoever he or she might be, might now be able to use the same theory to say, you know what, I, I think I think gun violence in this country is an epidemic. So right. I'm going to take $8 billion that's allocated for, I don't know, military stuff, and right. I'm going to use this, and I'm going to put it into funding gun control measures, whatever they might be, even though Congress won't give me the money. Is that a scary proposition to you? It is a scary proposition, but in this case, this is, you know, the the sole thing that, you know, being the President of the United States is to protect our country. Mm-hmm. In this case, because you've got a massive amount of drugs coming into the country with, you know, fentanyl, with uh, heroin and cocaine, he can make a very strong pitch saying this is an epidemic that is really uh, beyond out of control. And if you look with the El Chapo situation he ran two billion dollars just out of chicago alone which has decimated uh, many families within chicago and midwest okay well let, let me use your example david i don't mean yeah. to put you on the spot but let's say the sure. next president he or she decides to take up your point so you know i i think that there is an opioid epidemic in this country i think drugs are out of control but i don't think the best way to deal with it is is a border wall i think what i want to do is i want to take eight billion dollars that was allocated for the military and i want to put it into needle exchange programs or you know you know whatever to try to address the opioid thing declaring that a national emergency isn't that a little bit scary that you have a president doing that if congress isn't on board well I, again, I, I agree. I understand your sentiment, but in this case, if you look what was allocated to the president and the one point three seven billion that he got, right. they're telling him what kind of wall he can put up. Right. He can't use any of the new prototypes. They're telling him where he can put it, where he can't put it. Right. So, so that's where, you know, in this case, they're they're basically kind of giving him the, the I think the finger <laughs> and saying. Yeah. Right. Hey, listen, you know what? You're not going to be able to do anything with the money that you're going to get from us. We're going to tell you how you're going to use it. So now he's... Right. Well, I get... Right. And see, and th- I, see, thanks for calling. See, and, and then I, I, want to, I kind of want to separate the issues because I, I understand exactly what you just said. I, I, as I have said all along, I, I think that this whole precipitating the government shutdown built on the wall, I, I think that it's been a silly sort of discussion. Clearly, a wall or fencing has a role as far as border security goes. So when you have all these Democrats that are sitting there saying, well, you know, we, we think it's immoral or etc." I mean, I, I kind of roll my eyes at that. If you're a regular listener, you know, the example I always give is, you know, if you go down to Summerfest, they got fences because they control, they, they want to control who gets onto the grounds and who doesn't get onto the grounds. So there are those issues that end up being out there. But I guess my, my, my bigger point is that if, if Congress, and so that's why, if I was in Congress, I would have been, you know, I, I, I would not have put these sort of limitations on the president. Don't get me wrong with that, on, on that. But at the same time, I do think that there is a role that Congress plays in this. And putting aside the issue of the wall, and I understand that's tough because this has been this issue that we keep coming back to. It's it's the whole broader question of what what is what is not just this president's authority, but what are future presidents' authorities and that authority. And that's where I am concerned because you have all these different issues. Climate change, 
gun control. I mean, I just imagine if, okay, you, you, you have a, a Democrat president, you have an Elizabeth Warren who decides that climate change is the number one emergency facing this country. She can't get approval for funding for various climate change related things. But she decides, okay, I'm going to declare a national emergency and now I'm going to divert all this other funding for that. I mean, all I am saying is if this is upheld and to tell you the truth, my initial reaction is it probably will be upheld. I, I don't be surprised if we're talking two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, and everybody that's arguing, well, we think President Trump should be able to do this, is going to be calling up and they're going to be absolutely outraged that, oh, this is an imperial presidency. We don't have kings. How can President Warren or President Kamala Harris or President whoever, how can they do something like this? Well, just just remember, it might go back to today. It's 1241. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm sorry, we got jam phone lines, but I want to move on. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about with you today, including where does this guy think he is going to go and how does he think this ends? Stick around. Twelve forty four, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I sent out a tweet about this, and it's something I've actually been talking about since it happened last Friday, around eight fifteen in the morning. There was a Department of Milwaukee Department of Public Works worker. His name is Brian Rodriguez, and he was out there with a crew filling potholes on on city streets. All right. What happened was he was hit and killed by a a vehicle that slammed into him rather than staying on the scene. The driver of the vehicle and the passenger, female passenger's girlfriend, got out and they ran away. The girlfriend, they they got her. She ultimately called police. The guy um, went on the lamb and he's been on the lamb for the last week. They, they haven't found him. Well, the district attorney's office now issued a criminal complaint. And I've got a link to the complaint again on the Twitter feed, but it, it's, it's interesting. And I've got a couple comments and we might open up the phone lines on this as well. All right. What happened is the man who is charged with this crime, his name is Taryn Claiborne and he is a piece of work. All right. Apparently, according to the criminal complaint, here's what happens. Claiborne, who's like 31 years old, who, by the way, I'll get to this, but he doesn't have a valid driver's license, and his family says he's blind. (laughs) He can't see. All right. Picks up a woman and her children, drops the kids off at school, and then he crashes in and kills Brian Rodriguez as he's filling potholes on 17th and Vine about 8.30 in the morning. Well, here's where we now start to find out what, what happened? Um, the collision pinned Mr. Rodriguez between Claiborne's 1998 Chevy Lumina and the DPW uh, dump truck that was filled with asphalt. The woman who was a passenger in the car, this is the girlfriend, said that uh, she saw that you know the Mr. Rodriguez was pinned between those and he was apparently begging for help. The Chevy, driven by this Claiborne character, was so damaged that it's not running. It's, it's like totaled. The woman had to exit through a rear window. This is the passenger. She said she and Claiborne jumped up and down, tried to flag down help, but most cars passed and only took video. Hmm. When Claiborne finally got someone to stop, 
he persuaded the driver to take him and the woman back to her house. All right, so they leave the scene of the accident. She said she wanted to go to the hospital. She says he threatened her with a gun and made her drive him to his brother's house near North 16th and West Locust Streets. She drove him there in her car, but as soon as Claiborne got to his brother's porch, she took off for the hospital. She says at the emergency room, she told staff to call police about Claiborne because I think he killed somebody and I think he's going to kill him. According to the criminal complaint, Claiborne, has never had a valid driver's license and has 14 prior convictions for driving after suspension dating back five years. Okay, that, that's, that's again one of these dazzling details that you have this 31-year-old guy who's now hit and killed. I understand I'm supposed to say allegedly, all right, so read into allegedly into this, but he's now hit and killed a, a public works worker He's got 14 prior convictions for driving after suspension, dating back five years, has never had a valid driver's license. All right, just as as an overall point, what does that tell you about how we in Wisconsin deal with people who drive repeatedly after their driver's license has been suspended? And for anybody out there who doesn't think this is a big deal, well, this is the case about it. Okay, so it then, then, and... This is one of the more interesting situations. Uh, It was Fox 6. Fox 6 apparently does an interview with the family members of this Taryn Claiborne, the piece of work who is on the lamb. Family member goes on Fox 6 and says, he called me crying. He's hurt. He's hurt. He got scared and then he ran. His voice was somber. I didn't even know it was him, says the family member of Claiborne. We're very, then the family member says, we're very sorry that this happened, and he's very sorry. He's very sorry. Okay, well, first of all, this guy isn't very sorry. If the man was very sorry, he would have stayed at the scene. He would have explained whatever it was that happened. He would have been willing to take responsibility for what he did. He ran like the cowardly criminal that he is, and he stays on the lam, at least as of, I I guess, this morning. Now, I kind of wonder where this all goes, because... It's not like, for example, he is a foreign national who's in this country illegally. That's the concern that you have sometimes when you have people who are involved in these situations that they're they're foreign nationals. And so if they can get out of the country, they have somewhere else to go and maybe disappear and hide in. That's not the situation with, with this guy. So you wonder, I mean, my guess is he's hiding in somebody's basement or he's on a bus somewhere. But, I mean, they'll, they'll end up catching him at some point in time. His family tells Fox 6 News that he shouldn't have been behind the wheel in the first place because he's legally blind um let's see the suspect's family member says i'm sorry for the family of the dead worker he didn't mean to hurt nobody well uh, okay try you know right try telling somebody that when you end up running all right our number one segment, 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line Based on the charges they have issued against this guy right now, I think when you add them all up, and maybe there's more that you could charge, but when you add them all up, he's looking at a little over 30 years in prison. If I am the judge and he is convicted of this, I give him every day. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
more than 10 prior instances of driving an automobile without a valid license or after suspension or whatever, killing somebody, running away from the scene, and then hiding like a coward for the better part of now a week. When they catch him, if I'm the judge, he, whatever the bail is, I don't know how high a bail you can set in Milwaukee or they're willing to set, but I'm setting it as high as it possibly can to make sure this guy doesn't get out. And then when he is convicted, I'm giving him every day. This is the type of situation where it is a huge tragedy. Somebody is dead. That penalty in and of itself, I'm not sure 30 years is enough, but these are the types of cases to me where you have to make examples of people who show such a callous disregard for the lives of others. In this case, it was the Department of Public Works worker, but this could have been you. It could have been your wife. It could have been your husband. It could have been your kid. It could have been anybody because you have this guy, this Claiborne character, who doesn't care about anybody else. And I'm giving him every day. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It doesn't bring back the Department of Public Works worker, but maybe it makes the rest of us a tad bit safer. 414-799-1620. Your reaction we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1252. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. It's 1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, the Milwaukee Brewers 2019 championship season right around the corner. This weekend is your first chance to secure your spot at Miller Park. It's the annual Arctic Tailgate, which gives fans a chance to purchase single-game tickets for the first time. WTMJ will be there all weekend in our big Tailgater studio. Come by, say hello, don't forget, WTMJ is your home for Brewers baseball. All right, number of texts. Jeff, thanks for speaking the truth about this. Well, I called him a piece of work this Texter uses a different phrase. Most people need to understand how many irresponsible people are driving around the streets of Milwaukee. Highlighting him and the way that you are in today's program certainly helps. I, I hope so. It's also highlighting this huge problem that's out there about how generally under the law, we don't treat driving without a valid license. We don't tra- treat driving after revocation. We don't treat any of this like it's it's a big deal. And the reality is it, it is a big deal. You know, there are people who are irresponsible, who don't belong behind the wheel of the car. I mean, again, a story, a family member say, well, he can't even see he shouldn't have been driving. Well, maybe after 10 or 12 or 15 or however many driving after suspension convictions that he had gotten, well, maybe that should have maybe that should have you know caught on here's another text jeff something needs to be done to all reckless drivers i can't tell you how many times each and every day i see people running red lights i saw someone today go around three lanes of stopped cars at a red light to make a right turn because of lack of patience yes lock this creep up when you get him well amen strongly agree 30 years is not enough and i certainly agree with that as well. Now, here's the other interesting aspect, and one of our texters makes the point. Somebody is harboring this man. Not only should he get every single day coming to him, whoever is harboring him should also get the same sentence. And that's a very, very valid point. Uh, again, as I said earlier, initially when this happened, 
I mean, and I, I didn't know who this was. The concern sometimes you have is that the person who is responsible for this, maybe they're in the country illegally or something. They've got ties to another country. And then what happens is it becomes, you know, a, a race. The, the person says, well, I, I don't want to go to prison for 30 years. I've killed somebody or whatever. I'm going to see if I can get out of the country and then make it difficult to find me or extradite me or, or whatever. That's not the case here. As far as I can tell, this man has no ties to other countries, which means he is, my guess would be, hiding like the coward that he is in some friend or some person's attic or basement or whatever, you know, trying to avoid apprehension. And and he he's obviously he's gotten away with it for a week. Sooner or later, he, he's going to get caught. Sooner or later, he's going to be driving a car. Sooner or later, somebody's going to see him. Sooner or later, whoever it is that is harboring him is going to have an attack of conscience, assuming that they have any conscience there. And they're going to call authorities and they're going to tell him and he's going to be and they're going to tell tell on him and he's going to be, you know, brought in and then brought to justice. But this by staying away, by running by refusing to accept responsibility and by hoping again that that maybe they're going to forget. And trust me, authorities aren't going to forget about this. You, you really show the true character or lack of character of this guy, and you compound the tragedy. You compound the problem that the family members have. I mean, look, this man, and with the with the murder of the police officer a week ago Wednesday, I, I understand that maybe this death hasn't quite got as much attention maybe in the media as it deserves, but this is a horrible thing. Authorities hopefully will catch him soon, and when they do, he will hopefully go to prison for decades, if not longer. 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, when we come back, I want to switch gears for a minute. I want to talk about something involving my former high school and then a professional golfer who's being called a cheapskate. Go figure. Stick around. 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric Bilstead, have you ever had a, a professional shave, like a barbershop quality shave? No, I've always wondered about that, though. Oh, it's worth it. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know, um, I haven't had many, but it's it's really good. Greg, who's producing the show, have you ever had a, have you ever had a barbershop shave, you know, a professional shave? I haven't, but I cut myself shaving this morning. So. You cut yourself <laughs> shaving this one. morning. So, okay. Well, I mean, here, here's the deal. First of all, if you ever want to treat yourself, I mean, it, it's it's a... It's a treat. Depending so you're not where, worried about the guy with the blade, and he, he's really good at it and everything? Well, I mean, I'm assuming. I guess <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like that commercial. Oh, so you give the best shave in town. Well, no, I give shaves. No, no, but it, I mean, it, it's really, it's like incredibly relaxing. And, and what they do, if, if you go, like, I, I've had it done in Las Vegas a couple times, or you just want to, like, mm-hmm. kind of treat yourself. Sure. And, and what they do is it, it's like a five- or six-step process. I mean, you get a hot towel. And then what they do is they put this lotion on and they, they give you a, like a, a quick shave. And then they put another hot towel. Then they put more lotion on. It's it's an incredibly, if you go to somebody who knows what they're doing, it's an incredibly relaxing experience. Okay. And it's it, it's it's a treat. All right. If you've never had a shave, you've probably never had a facial. Have you ever had a facial? I've never had a facial. Have you ever had any interest in having a facial? No, not really. Okay. I A long, 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 long time ago, we're talking decades ago, I, I had... I had a facial. It was one of those things where somebody, it was like it's kind of a spa thing. So you get the massage and you get the, the facial. And 
I, I, well, obviously, I haven't done it again, but but I, I don't. It's just because I've been kind of late. But it, it's sort of interesting because I mean, typically, it's not something that guys get. It's more like yeah. a, a of a of a gal's thing. Sure, sure. But it's it's still it's really interesting. And the reason I ask you this is because one of at least one of the things when they did when they gave me a facial is at. at just like with the shaves, they put the hot towels on you and things like that. I mean, one of the things they did with the facial is they put this, this stuff, like a cleansing agent or something, mm-hmm. all all over your face, and then you know you kind of take it off, and then they they, <laughs> they they sort of like take take that off, and they put other sort of stuff on. But you do get this like like at least when I had it, you get this mask that they have. Op- that's over your face. That's supposed to open up your pores and do all sorts <laughs> yes. of stuff, right? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. right. Yeah, so. Um, and and again, I'm trying to think of when I had it done, and it was years ago, years and years ago. Um, and I don't remember the cleansing agent that they used. I don't remember, and this is true. I don't remember if it was light colored or dark colored. You know, I, I think I've 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 seen it done. You know, both ways. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I bring that up because that's this lead in to what I want to talk about next and I know something you were discussing earlier today this story involving the Nicolay High School mm-hmm. basketball player and the controversy involving you know Port Washington but you've never had a facial no 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 all right so tell your wife I mean treat yourself oh, okay. I'm t- I, but it Valentine's start, Day was yesterday start with a shave I mean, okay. seriously. I mean, start with the shave. It's it would a, take them two minutes to shave me. Well, no, 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 no. But because, like I say, it's not. It's not like you, you're standing in front of your bathroom mirror and you're trying to do it in like five seconds. It's a. It's a several step process that involves two or three different. You know, different shaves and different kind of lotions. I'm just telling you, if you want to pamper yourself, okay. I think everybody should do it. I, I think I think Mrs. Billstat should get you, <laughs> or better yet, I think here's okay. You know, here here's what we do. I think you know you need to get the company to spring off for that, and we do it as part of like a news thing or something. <laughs> okay. And you can bring your you can bring young Mr. Wagner along with you yeah, there yeah, too. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Anyway, anyway, I, I bring this up because. If you haven't heard, this is a story involving my my alma mater, Nicolay High School. Nicolay is a state basketball power. How they got to be a basketball power is a bit of a controversy because they have a number of very, very good athletes who play together on an AAU team who all transferred into the district. And there, there's these whole issues about should they change the transfer rules. You know, we've talked about that. But in any event, the probably the standout the, the best player on a very, very good Nicolay team is a junior. His name is Jalen Johnson. He and his brother, who's a freshman, they, they're both starters for Nicolay. They transferred in from, I think, Sun Prairie this year. All right, Jalen Johnson is one of the very, very best players in the country. Some people think he's like a top three in, in the country. And he's a dominant player, and he's a great ball player. He also happens to be black. All right, well, here's here here's the deal, and it's... It's a little bit complicated, or, or maybe maybe it isn't. We all know that there has been this raging controversy involving blackface, which has er- erupted. You know, the, the, the latest examples of what was going on in Virginia, where the Virginia governor acknowledges that, well, he, he, there's a picture on his medical school yearbook page showing what appears to be him in blackface. He says it's not him. But typically... When you're dealing with blackface issues, what happens is you have a white person who puts something on their their hands, on their face, to make them appear black. That's the tradition of this. All right, so what happens involving the Nicolay player is this. He apparently, 
at some point in time is putting, he puts this clarifying agent, like a, a skin thing on, on his face, kind of like you would see if you got a facial. And in this case, now he's, he's African-American, he's black himself. So the, this, the clarifying agent is dark. So it makes him look like he, he's got sort of, it makes him look like he's got blackface on, but he's, but he's African-American himself. Okay, he, he does this. Now, how do people know he does this? Because he posts a picture of how he looks um, on, on his Instagram account. All right, so he's, he's taken a picture of himself as, as he looks. Like if I went and got a facial and they happened to whatever the, the base was, if it happened to be dark, and I took a picture and put it up on my Twitter account, all right, it, it's me doing it myself. Right. What happens next is where this gets really, really weird. Apparently, okay, so Nicolay is playing at Port Washington the, the other night. Nicolay, again, is a dominant team. Port Washington is not as good as Nicolay is. So what happens is, and, and this, like I say, it's where it gets really weird. A parent apparently becomes aware of this, this Instagram posting of the young man from Nicolay who's got the skin clarifying agent who makes him look darker than he is. The parent apparently helps his kid photocopy all these different pictures, uh, th- this picture, and they, they print up a whole bunch of pictures of Jalen Johnson with this clarifying agent on his skin that makes it look like he's darker than he is. What? So then what happens is the game is going on. Jalen Johnson goes to the foul line to throw to, to take to shoot a free throw. Now, if you've ever been to a, a basketball game, particularly like college basketball games or maybe high school basketball games, you know what happens a lot of times is when the opposing the team the at a home game when a visiting team player goes to the free throw line, people behind the basket start doing all sorts of things to distract the player. I go to Marquette games on a regular basis, and one of the things, they don't do this as much anymore, but they used to do it, they'd pass out these giant, these big head poster things, and people would wave all the big heads and stuff like that in an attempt to distract them. Well, anyhow, at the Nicolet-Port Washington game, the kid goes to the free throw line, and all of a sudden, all these Port Washington kids pull out these pictures that have now been reproduced of Jalen Johnson shooting free throws with Jalen Johnson with the the skin clarifying agent. They start waving it around, and it looks like, I mean, arguably he's wearing blackface. All right, well, immediately after this happens, you have the Port Washington. Somebody in authority comes and confiscates all the photos. There have now been apologies that were issued for that. Interestingly, in one of the stories I'm looking at, let me just quote this. At least one community member stood up for the Port Washington students. He was at the game, and he said that the pictures were intended to distract Johnson, nothing more. Strictly, 100% to try to get a dominant athlete, get in his head a little bit, and try to give us a little bit of an advantage. All right. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this situation being overblown? Should the Port Washington, was there no racial intent here? Was there no racial animosity? Was this simply an attempt to distract the player when he was shooting free throws? Or is this something that the kids should have known better? And maybe the parent who helped photograph this should have known better. And once again, this is a little bit different because this isn't 
people that took a photograph of the young man and then darkened it. This is a picture that the young man posted of himself on Instagram when he had this clarifying agent on his face. Does that make any difference? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are we being too hard on the Port Washington students when we criticize them for this action? I'll tell you where I come down on this, but I am curious as to how do you respond. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 118. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Some people are saying, okay, these Port Washington kids, they're getting a bad rap. All they did was a parent reproduce this particular photograph. It wasn't an intention of blackface and that this is much ado about nothing. Do you buy that? Let's start with Tabitha in Milwaukee. Hi, Tabitha. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I truly believe that the act was intentional. Um, It was without thought to the child's feelings. Um, I really feel like in light of everything that's going on in the country, in terms of racial divides, blackface, everything that's been going on from what you just mentioned with the senator Mm -hmm. um, in Virginia uh, on to Gucci, the label, everything that's been going on, I think it was a senseless act by the parents, even if the children were not particularly fully aware of the what blackface meant, um, yeah, I get it. Uh, it looks as is his Instagram. Could they have used another way to get inside of, right. as they would say, the young man's head? <laughs> well, um, see, that's an interesting point, Tabitha. I, I, it's like, uh, why of all the different photographs or of all the different signs that you could have held up, why is it that that's the picture that ends up getting selected? You know that, and I think that's the fair question to ask. There's there's probably a million pictures of this young man. He's a star basketball player. Um, why why would you pick this particular one, especially at this particular time in America? Exactly. In addition, and to add to that, is that something that they've done to any of the other students, whether black or white or Hispanic? To, to get into someone's head. Had this practice been used by this school to their other opponents, to their other teams who were not of African-American descent? Okay, or- well, let me ask you the tough question, though, Tabitha, which might, which, which I don't know if it makes a difference or not. This this was a photo. It's not like this was a doctored photo. You know, it's it's not like, you know, they, they did something to alter this. This was a photo that the kid himself, the young man himself, put up on his Instagram account. And so the Port Washington kids might be saying, hey, all we were doing is, you know, we, you know, he put this up. We think it's kind of an embarrassing photo. So we're using it to, to quote unquote, get in his head. Does that change anything? I, I think it does not change because it's it's uh it's sent to maliciously to me to my from my perspective as being in the military investigating discriminate discrimination things like that when when it's offensive by a reasonable person's standard then it's offensive bottom line even if he posted the photo of of it himself he didn't post it for the intent of it to make a mockery of himself yeah. doing a game to distract him right. in one of the most important moments of his life. 
Yeah. Um. Thanks for call. I mean, see, I, I, I think this is, it's slightly different than if they had doctored the photo. In that case, there, there'd be no question of intent. But big picture, I, I think I'm with you, Tabitha, on this, because to me, it's kind of like the, the story where you had all the kids at the, the high school who, who were who were making the, the Nazi sign, you know, and, and the story was, well, some of them, it wasn't an intentional Nazi sign. They were just kind of waving at the camera. T- to me... The, the whole thing is it's just it's incredibly insensitive and it's tone deaf. Now, maybe you can argue that the th- one of the things that you take away from this, especially if you're Jalen Johnson, is you got to recognize that you're going to be attracting a lot of attention because of your athletic ability and things like that. And maybe you need to think about what you're going to post, because if you post stuff, you, some people might argue, well, hey, hey, post this on Inst- Instagram. How can you accuse us of being racist? All we did is, you know, we were trying to tease him and embarrass him with a photo that he put up there. And, and I understand that. But at the same time, I don't know what the actual intent of the Port Washington kids were. I, I, I don't know if this was trying to make a racial statement or something else, but I do think it was insensitive, um, insensitive given everything else that was going on. I'm not going to label all the kids at Port Washington as being overt racist because I, I don't think there's enough evidence for that. But this is one, especially where we are in America today, that especially from the parents' perspective, in the universe of different photographs that you could have chosen to to wave in his face, maybe maybe you could have found a different one. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Terry and Racine. Hi, Terry. Hello. What do you think? Um, I think it's a bunch of baloney. I think it's just trying to get in. Exactly, it isn't sensitive, and you are trying to get into somebody's head because. It, it is a game. It's sports. That's what you do. You intimidate. Mm-hmm. You know, like the football. Yeah, but but guys. even with but even with that, Terry, and I'll let you make your point. But even with that, okay. there are there are limits. I mean, I, I can remember remember Patrick Ewing. You know, who played for the Knicks, yep. and now he's the coach at Georgetown. I think. I mean, I, when he was in college, you go to some schools, and they they would they would people would hold up signs, you know, linking implying that Patrick Ewing was a gorilla or something like that, and mm-hmm. and that. You know, I think most people felt that that was kind of crossing a line. Yeah, they were trying to get in his head, but but it's still. I mean, there are limits as to how far you can go, aren't there? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I guess it depends on where you look at it. I mm-hmm. guess when I called before, I don't sit around. My job's not to find racial problems. Right. Most of them, we make them ourselves. I mean, right. there you can get a. A little black kid, a little white kid, whatever you, they're, they're playing. That's how we are. Society is just the gasoline on a fire that's making, I guess my point is when I first seen this, when I first heard this, right. I would have been freaking too, because if I would have went up to make a, an extra point, I walk up. And I'm a man, right? And you're you're kind of embarrassed by the photos. No, no. I thanks. No, I get. I mean, no. I I understand. I mean, to catch you, I I understand. It's and and that's the thing. It's like, hey, you know, he he made himself look silly by putting this picture. Look, if if I ever get a facial again and we take a picture of me with all the stuff on it, I'm going to look silly. <laughs> I think that that's probably it. So, I mean, maybe the argument is he he made himself look silly. If you think 
he looked silly by doing this. Why post this? That's what all the kids were doing with the parent. I, I just think given given where we are in society nowadays and given all this controversy about blackface, whatever the kids' intentions were, it, it probably – it probably needs to be thought out just a little bit better. And and I, I've heard several people say, right, one of the tests is if if this had been if this had had not been a home game at Port Washington and the kids had been visitors somewhere, would they have done the same thing? And I, I think that's my my guess is probably not because they'd realize how the crowd would have reacted. It's one twenty nine. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One thirty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The weather in Wisconsin might not be great, but things in Arizona are heating up. The 2019 Major League Baseball season is right around the corner. WTMJ is your home for Brewers baseball all spring long for a full spring training broadcast schedule. And to see when Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre is on the microphone, go to WTMJ.com or text the word SPRING to the Accident Mortgage text line 414-799-1620. I am... I am a big believer in in what you can call it paying it forward or random acts of kindness. I think it's it's really nice when you hear stories about people who see somebody who's having a bad day or providing a service and and you, you go out there. There was a story this morning I was looking at uh, a guy is sitting on an airplane. He, he's in first class and a a a woman in military uniform walks onto the plane and he stops her and he says excuse me you know where's your seat and she says well it's like row 31b and he says tell you what i appreciate your service you take my first class seat i'll go sit in 31b i mean it's it's stuff like that that i i think again whether you want to call it pay it forward random acts of kindness what whatever i think that that's that's something that we should encourage the flip side of that though is when you have I don't know, the people who decide to take advantage of that. There's a story in today's Washington Post. I want to share it with you, and I want to ask your reaction to this. All right, the headline is, He pretended a date stood him up at the Outback Steakhouse on Valentine's Day. Strangers picked up his tab. All right, let me read your portion of the story. A thought popped into Stephen Bonzer's head midway through Valentine's Day. If I went to Outback Steakhouse by myself tonight asked for a table for two, then got progressively sadder as the night went on alone, do you think they'd give me my steak for free, says this guy. He's 27 years old. His sister egged him on, telling him that she would pay for his meal on Thursday if the restaurant didn't. So three hours later, he goes over to the Outback Steakhouse in Arlington, Virginia, which is a suburb of D.C., waiting at the host stand at the Arlington uh, Steakhouse, dressed in a fresh blazer, button-down shirt, and carrying a poorly wrapped present. All right. So he says the restaurant is crowded with couples celebrating the holiday. Um, Even though he had called ahead to make a reservation, they still told him you have a 10-minute wait. He says that's fine. He says my date, this is what he tells the maitre d', my my date is running late. He gets gets a table, gets a seated at a booth in a bar. Server comes by, sees if he wants any drinks. He says, well, well yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for my uh, girlfriend. Um, I want a beer and she drinks Chardonnay. So he orders like two drinks. All right. Um, what happens is then he sits there and he sits there and he starts then just kind of looking forlornly. The waiter walks by again, and as the waiter walks by again, he pulls out his cell phone and pretends to leave a voicemail message. I'm here. Let me know when you are on the way. 
By about 9.30, it finished off an entire loaf of complimentary bread. People in the restaurant were beginning to look at him as concern. The waiter brought out more bread. He, he just started stuffing it in his mouth. Then he says he starts, you know, talking... You know, loudly, he's, oh, this is the worst night of my life. I look like I've been, you know, stood up. He says, yeah, I I want another drink. He then apparently uh, pretends to call, leave a halting voicemail that could be heard by everybody sitting around him. He says, so the kitchen closes in a minute or so, so I had to, I had to order food. Um, I guess you're probably not going to make it, so I, I guess I'll talk to you later. I hope everything's okay. I hope nothing bad happened. Okay, hope everything's okay. So he, he's just—then he starts telling people, oh, this is my girlfriend. Her name is Catherine. Um, this is close to where she works. That's why we, we chose this particular spot. I was so excited for our date— but, you know, it looks like she stood me up. So then he, he orders he orders a meal, and then he kind of picks at it, et cetera, et cetera. And then ultimately the restaurant starts to close, and he just says, well, just, just, let's, let's just wrap this up. And what happens next is they tell him, um, uh, they tell him, look, don't, don't worry about this. A couple sitting by the bar— Here's, and they've been kind of watching this whole thing. Oh, this poor guy's been stood up by his date. And so, you know, what they did is they apparently told him, don't worry, we've already paid for your meal. We'll, the guy apparently says, look, I know you've had a really rough night. We'll take care of it. Don't, don't let this get you down. And so the guy walks out and he starts, he's been doing this all on Twitter saying, yeah, see, I was able to get a free steak out of somebody at Outback Steakhouse who thought I was having this kind of miserable night. See, so this was this like social experiment. And then he says, well, you know, I felt a little bit guilty about taking it. So I'm going to donate $50 to the American Civil Liberties Union. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I find, and maybe your reaction to the story is going to be completely different than mine. Forget this social experiment stuff. I think this guy is a major league creep. And and this idea, all right, I think we should be encouraging and, and rewarding people who do acts out of the goodness of their heart. Gee, you know, we're sitting in a restaurant and you hear this guy who's having this, he's been stood up on Valentine's Day and you want to do something nice for him, like buy his meal or buy his drink. And then you find out that this bozo, well, he's just there trying to con everybody. I'm conducting a social experiment. I want to see if I can be pathetic enough that somebody out of the goodness of their heart is is going to buy me dinner or whatever. And then he posts this all on Twitter, and then he talks to the Washington Post about it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this guy a hero? And I'm curious as to your reaction to this. Is this guy a hero? Is this, oh, well, you know, this is how clever it was. And, you know, this guy deserves credit. He must be a great actor that he was able to con people into, you know, buying him a meal. Or is this just a slimy thing to do? Because people who are going to read this are going to say, okay, well, maybe the next time I see somebody who appears to legitimately be in need, maybe they're just scamming me as well. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Number one, I wouldn't do this. Number two, I, I, I certainly wouldn't advertise the fact that I've done this. I think it's a really slimy thing to do. 
414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 143, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 145, WTMJ. Uh, the, this is Jeff Wagner. The the, the waiter, apparently, th- this is... I, this this is even more aggravating. Now, of course, the the, he's, the guy says, I left the waiter a $20 tip. But, of course, the waiter, this is Valentine's Day, would have probably been able to make a lot more money if there were, like, legitimate people that were a, at the table. But and he further says, he says, one last thing. The waiter came to clean my table as, my, as I left. He put his hand on my shoulder, looked me dead in the eye like a father about to tell his son his grandma died, and said, take care of yourself. Don't let them get you down. So... I mean, here you have this waiter who he feels bad about this whole thing as well. All the while, the guy is scamming them as part of a quote-unquote social experiment. I just think shame on this guy. And interestingly, if you look at a lot of the Twitter stuff, all these people, oh, this is great. You know, what a what a thing. You know, you're my hero for doing this. What about this is heroic? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. What I think, think this guy's an absolute scumball, and uh, it's setting an example for people that want to do something for nicer people, like a GoFundMe thing or uh, doing something for charity or whatever, uh, giving them a lot of second thoughts well, and uh, because they're getting scammed. Well, right. I mean, I guess if I were one of the people that was in this Outback Steakhouse, and apparently this was he was very, very theatrical— and I mean, imagine how the people that bought this guy dinner must feel. It's like, hey, you're having, you know, this is like one of the worst days of your life here. We want to make it a little bit better. Well, you got played by this creep. And, you know, and, and this this some people view this guy as a hero. No, he's a my, he's a creep, period. Absolutely. Yeah. No, th- thanks for the call. I mean, again, it, it is it discour- it discourages like, the, again, those, those random acts of kindness. I mean, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that this is one thing that I'm completely on board with the city of Milwaukee. You know, I, I don't think you give money to panhandlers. I'm not saying you don't give money to charities. I'm not saying you don't go to a soup kitchen and, and give them money or find a homeless shelter and give them money. I'm just saying, you know, when somebody comes up and they've got their, their sad story, I, I don't think you give them money because you don't know what the truth really is. If you want to help somebody, there's all sorts of ways of making sure the money gets legitimately put. To me, this is the same example, but this is, here, th- this is the guy's social experiment, and he's proud of it. Paul, who is calling us from Illinois. Hi, Paul. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. I got to tell you, I think his name and uh, picture should be posted all over social media for the con and fraud that he is. He should be giving to the American Heart Association because he doesn't have a heart. He took advantage of people's feelings. And when you think about it, a little tough service because that poor waiter made no money on that table on one of the busiest nights of the year for him. Yeah. Come on. Well, but he says, hey, I just I was just doing this. I thought it was kind of an entertaining challenge to see if I could get somebody to buy me a free meal on Valentine's Day. It's a fraud. If he was honest, he'd go back and pay it forward to the next family of four at that <laughs> restaurant and pay the waiter. Right. Oh, I no. Right. I I agree. No. Th- thanks. Right. They could have turned the tables, and I, I think he went in a little bit later. But I guess this is, I, I the one of the reasons I, I bring this up is kind of the. One of the things that I'm always amazed about is how sometimes we talk about like public shaming. And my point is a lot of times you, you can't shame people who have no shame. You, you read the story and it's in today's Washington Post. He's proud of himself. You know, he took this as a challenge. He's sitting around saying, gee, 
it's Valentine's Day. I wonder if I can go over to the Outback Steakhouse and con somebody into giving me a free meal. I don't need the free meal. It's not like I'm hungry or anything like that. Not, I don't have money. No, the guy, he works as like an IT person. I mean, so it's not like he, he's starving, he's destitute, and this isn't even something desperate. It's just I want to conduct a social experiment, and I want to go, and I want to see if I can try to find that good Samaritan out there and then make them essentially look like a fool. I want to see if I can scam them. And then again, demonstrating the no shame aspect of this, I'm going to put this all on Twitter, and I'm going to put this up on Instagram, and I'm going to do a live feed on this, and I'm going to get my 15 minutes of fame in the Washington Post. I'm going to brag about how clever I am for doing this. You know, really? As I've always said, there's people who say there's no such thing as bad publicity, and I always say the only people who say there's no such thing as bad publicity are people who haven't had bad publicity. To me, I would never want my name associated with something like this because moving forward, people would say, well, how can we ever trust you? Oh, you say you need this or you need to say you need that or whatever. Well, you're the guy that thought it was cute and clever to string along a bunch of people at an Outback Steakhouse on Valentine's Day. Apparently, there's a number of people on social media, women who said, well, we'd love to go out with you. Oh, yeah? I mean, really? Okay, yeah, you go out with this character, and the next time, I don't know, gee, he's going to conduct a social experiment by cheating on you or something like this. Just saying. Buyer beware. 151, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 154, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. It, in Wisconsin, we have the ongoing arguments about, about Foxconn. And I understand that as things have played out, there are questions about, is Foxconn going to be able to deliver on the initial promises that they made that said that they'd create 13,000 jobs? I, I, for one, hope they are. If they don't, it's going to be unfortunate because if if they are able to deliver on what we were hoping for, it has the ability to be, I've used the word transformative, you know, for, for southeastern Wisconsin. It's good for southeastern Wisconsin. It's good for Wisconsin. It's good for the region. I think it's good for the country. Now, I understand that there's questions about, you know, what are what is Foxconn going to really be able to do? And that's why I think it's important that the Foxconn deal had had all sorts of provisions that were built into it limiting the the downside exposure for the state if Foxconn isn't ultimately able to deliver. But I, I will tell you, I never want to be in a position about about rooting against a city or a state or, or the country or whatever. And, and that's why I continue to hope that Foxconn is in some way, shape or form going to be able to deliver. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. You know, time will tell. But I, I do go back to what happened when they first announced Foxconn. If if we had if you had turned on the radio the morning that the announcement was made and instead of the announcement being gee Wisconsin's going to be getting these new this new facility and it's got the potential for 13,000 jobs and all this other stuff if the announcement instead had been Foxconn says it wants nothing to do with Wisconsin I think in general we would have been appropriately deflated because again maybe maybe they're going to be able to deliver maybe they won't but you you want good things to happen. I bring this up because something really interesting happened in New York yesterday, particularly like the the um, Long Island area. If you will recall, 
Amazon has been Amazon did a nationwide search announcing that they were looking at at a place. I mean, Amazon is based out of Seattle, but they were looking for a second headquarters and they did like this nationwide search and, and they chose, you know, they chose New York and for the facility that they wanted to put in and it would be on, on uh, like kind of like Staten Island, that sort of area in, in New York. This would be a facility. And, and Amazon, y- maybe you can argue Foxconn is kind of pie in the sky. But Amazon, you know, Amazon is real. They've got distribution centers all over. So Amazon announces that they, they've selected New York and they've selected a particular area in New York. And it's going to be 25,000 jobs. Now, you would think that this would be something that people would be turning handstands over. And originally, the governor was, the mayor was. But then you got some of kind of the, the, particularly the crazy left that got involved. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, the, the newly elected socialist congresswoman. This is partly in her district. For the last year, She's been announcing and really kind of running this campaign against Amazon. Well, we don't want Amazon to come here. These jobs aren't that good, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we need them to guarantee this and that and the other. This is just they're a giant corporation that exploits its workers. The guy that owns Amazon is Jeff Bezos, the most powerful man in the world. You know, how how could we don't want this here? And then you had some of the unions that were arguing against this as well. Well, Amazon isn't union, et cetera, et cetera. So you had these politicians who've been actively campaigning against Amazon for the better part of the year. So what happened yesterday? Amazon said to hell with it. They said, you know, the political climate in this area is such that if they don't want us, forget it. We're not going to build a headquarters there. So now you have this land that they were going to build the headquarters vacant. It will continue to be vacant. You have 25,000 jobs that Amazon would have created. They're not going to be created all because of this anti-corporate political climate that was there. The, the governor, Cuomo, he's, he's like, what happened here? Don't you realize that we've just turned our back on 25,000 jobs? But that's what some of these socialist politicians are all about. We don't like corporations, so we don't want you here. Well, tell that to all the unemployed people. It is an absolutely incredible story. And I mean, I don't fault Amazon. Amazon says, you don't want us? Fine, we'll go somewhere else, maybe. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Eric, don't say I don't take care of you. Since we've had our conversations earlier today about uh, the, the facials and the, the shaves and stuff like that. Yes, yes. You've never had either one? No. I, I, I'm, I'm getting multiple emails from from <laughs> profession, from from stores, from places that do like the men's shaves and from spas offering you and I. Wow, okay. Well, Offering you and I like like facials and, and shaves and stuff, you know. Right, sounds good. And, and you know they're saying they're doing complimentary. Now, so, now here here's the thing. I I think I think that this would be a great feature. We could get our Jay Sorgi to come out and you know 
put this up on the website and stuff, us doing that, and, and good karma. I mean, I, you would think good karma <laughs> should pay for it. I'm not going to let people do it for free. Yeah. I think this is something that we should go out and do. I think that if anyone was going to shave me, it would take 35 seconds. No, no, you do not. I'm, I'm telling you, you just don't understand how this is done, which is why <clears throat> it would make for, for great stuff. So when you're in one of these, I'm, I'm on vacation next week, but when you're in one of these meetings and you know they're coming up with like stories, yeah. ideas, mm-hmm. and stuff they can put mm-hmm. up on the website, website say, well, how about... How about we pay for Jeff and me to go get a uh, facial and, and a shave? All right. Sounds good. I, I will put it down. Uh, that, ab- absolutely. See, I'm trying to take care of you there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Okay. Is the guy a cheapskate or is he only doing what is expected of him? There is a ton of money if you can make it to the PGA Tour as a professional golfer. Now, the problem is only very, very few people can make it to the PGA Tour as a professional golfer. I have, I have a, over my life, I have run into, matter of fact, I I used to, I practiced law with a guy who was a really, really good golfer. And as a matter of fact, he left the practice of law for a year and a half to go down and play like these mini tours to to try to see if he could, you know, be the next Tiger Woods. And he was a really, really great golfer. But the, the difference between being a really, really great golfer and being that elite golfer it's just it's a step that a lot of people you know cannot make. So I have the greatest respect for people who who play golf really that well. But if you play if you're a professional golfer and especially again somebody that's on the PGA tour, you're you're making a ton of money. Now there's a lot of people like I say who are trying to trying to get to that point and you know they're they're playing in all these mini tours or you know they end up as being golf pros and stuff like that and, and they're never going to make the, the big bucks but if you make the PHA tour you have an opportunity to make big bucks now in addition to the golfers on the PGA tour there's there are also caddies the caddies are professionals as well and most of the golfers have their own caddies not all, but most of them have their own caddies that accompany them, you know, week to week to go to the different tournaments. Now, it varies a little bit, but the typical arrangement between a PGA Tour golfer and the caddy is the caddy gets a flat rate of 1500 bucks. Now, the way it works on the PGA Tour is, the fir- as a general rule, first two days, you know, normally it's Thursday through Sunday, the first two days— they are, are really like a qualifying for the weekend. You play the first two days, and then they make a cut. 60 golfers, 72 golfers, whatever, go on to the weekend. If you don't make the cut, in most cases, you don't get paid. If you make the cut, then there's going to be prize money, and the prize money is going to depend on where you end up finishing. All right, The typical deal between the average PGA golfer and a caddy is that the caddy gets a flat rate of 1500 bucks. So the, the, the golfer, regardless, if the golfer doesn't make a dime, the golfer plays two days, doesn't qualify, doesn't make the cut, he, he still has to pay the caddy 1500 bucks. So it's a flat rate. And, that, I mean, that's designed to cover expenses. Typically, also the deal is the caddy gets 10% of the golfer's winnings. So... You get your fifteen hundred bucks, and let's say the golfer wins twenty five thousand dollars. Okay, at the tournament, the caddy would get ten percent of that, so the caddy would get twenty five hundred bucks. That is the typical arrangement that that exists. Obviously, if your guy wins the tournament, let's say it's some big tournament, and the prize money is the first place gets first place guy gets you know a million bucks. 
Well, ten percent of that would be a hundred thousand. Okay, big dollars. Right? There's a pro golfer named Matt Kuchar, and Matt Kuchar, by all accounts, is 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 pretty well respected and well liked. They, they say he's a nice guy. All right, a month ago or so, he is playing at a tournament in Mexico in Playa del Carmen. It's called the Mayacoba Classic. Now, Kuchar has a regular caddy, but for whatever reasons, that weekend, the regular caddy can't go to to Mexico for the tournament. So he shows up, and this is being played at a country club in in Mexico. And at a lot of country clubs, they, they they have caddies. Who, who work there on a regular basis. You know, they have caddies that, you know, you go to Augusta where they play the Masters. Well, a lot of the players bring their own caddies, but there are caddies who work work at Augusta in season. There are caddies who go around the circuit and they caddy at these different country clubs and, you know, they, they make money. At this particular country club in Mexico where this tournament is being held, they have caddies. And a, a caddy, a good caddy, can make a couple hundred bucks a day caddying for the people who are playing at the country club. So Matt Kuchar, he shows up for the tournament. He doesn't have a caddy. So he he says, okay, I want to hire one of the local guys. I want to hire him as my caddy. So they find one guy who's apparently a very, very good caddy. His name is David Ortiz. And so Kuchar says, hey, I I, want to hire you. I, I want you to carry my bags. And Kuchar says, like, like, here's, here's the deal. He says, I tell you what, I'm, uh, I'll give you a thousand bucks, um, for carrying the bag for the first two days. If I miss the cut, I'll give you a thousand bucks. If I make the cut, I'll give you 2000. If I have a top 20 finish, I'll give you 3000. And if I finish in the top 10, I'll give you four grand. That's, that's what he says. That, that's what the deal is. Now that is less than you would offer, like, the deal that you have with the regular caddy. But he's just found this guy for the weekend. He says, okay, that's a deal. Thousand bucks if I don't make anything. Two grand if I make the cut, regardless of where I finish. Three grand if I'm in the top 20. Four grand if I'm in the top 10. All right? And he said, and then, you know, maybe if I win it, we'll give you a bonus. But, you know, who knows? So he goes on. He wins the tournament. Kuchar wins the tournament a few weeks ago. Um, First prize one point two nine six million. Let's round up one point three million for winning the golf tournament. So what does he do? <laughs> he gives the caddy five grand. He says, Well, you know, I, I promised you that I'd give you a four thousand dollars for a top ten finish. I finished in the top ten. Here's your four grand, and I'm I'm gonna give you here's an extra thousand bucks. Thanks for the effort. The caddy has now gone public saying, hey, what a cheap you-know-what this guy is. Because, you know, normally, if this had been his regular caddy, he would have had to pay me 10% of $1.3 million. He should be paying me 130000 not this insulting five grand. Kutra, for his part, says, hey, I, I gave the guy an extra $1,000 kind of a, as a bonus. Normally, he makes 200 bucks a day. I mean, I gave him $5,000 for a weekend. He should be thanking me. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Now, this story is being reported all over. The headline in the New York Times is, A fat check for Matt Kuchar yielded a slim bonus for his caddy in Mexico. All right, is, is Kuchar unfairly screwing over his caddy? Uh, should he have been more generous? Is he being cheap on this? Or is he just doing what he promised to do? 
do should the caddy have a beef against Matt Kuchar? 414-799-1620. Should anybody have a beef against Matt Kuchar? He says, hey, this was the deal. I promised him four grand if I had a top 10 finish. I gave him the four grand, and I gave him an extra 1000 bucks on top of it. Why is he whining? 414-799-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment. It's 216. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, this story has now gone viral. I hate that because it's such a cliche. But normally, if you're a professional caddy on the PGA Tour, you get 1500 bucks plus 10% of your guy's winnings. Matt Kuchar goes to this tournament in Mexico. He hires a local caddy because his guy can't make it. He tells him up front, okay, here's the deal. 1000 bucks for the first two days if I don't make the cut. Two grand if we make the cut. Three grand if I finish in the top 20. Four grand if I finish in the top 10. And if I win, I'll throw you a little bonus. I'll throw you a bonus. Well, he ends up winning, wins one po- almost $1.3 million. He gives the caddy $5,000. Okay. Should we criticize Kuchar for this? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tom in Menominee Falls. Tom, hello. Hey, good afternoon. <laughs> this reminds me of a, one of those Sunday school stories, you know, when the when the vine the vine owner goes uh, the, goes out and he tells people to come work for him and pays them exactly what he promised them, and uh-huh. then they were upset at the end because the other guys got more of the same pay. Right. You know what? For five grand a day... Got a funny feeling I would not be the one complaining. Okay, so you think that, hey, he, he did what he promised him. He was under no obligation to give him more money. There's, yeah, he, he fulfilled it, and he gave him a bonus. Right. No, thanks. Right. He, he gave him, right, he, he gave him a $1,000 bonus. I guess the argument would be, hey, you won $1.3 million. What you should be doing is, what do you mean a $1,000 bonus? Give him twenty five grand. you will give him, you know, what whatever. Give him fifty grand. You know why? Why aren't you being more generous? That's the argument. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a minute. Jim in Thienesville. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you. Okay, is is Kuchar a cheapskate? Oh my gosh, I can't believe this, and I'm going to make this as short as I can. That guy's probably worth fifty million dollars. Right now, that caddy in each one of those four days had to at least help Kuchar twice. You know, in, in in a putt or in a layup or whatever you want to call it, you know, right. that guy should have gotten a minimum, like you said, twenty five to fifty grand. Kuchar, I like that guy a whole lot up until right now. I can't believe how cheap he is. Okay, thanks to call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I'll tell you where I come down this in a minute. I'm just curious as to how people react to this, and and I don't think, again, I don't think the facts in this case are are really. At issue, I mean, I think everybody, it, it's pretty much, you know, this is what Kuchar promised him he would pay, plus a bonus if, if they won. He gave him a $1,000 bonus. The guy, I think, probably seems to think he should get tens of thousands of dollars. Does he have a point? Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What um, do you think? Well, from what I understand is that he was offered an extra additional fifteen dollars to $20,000 for him, and he refused it. Why? I'm really not sure. Um, I don't feel that Kuchar tried to get away with anything. I don't find him to be the cheapskate. He's very well respected mm-hmm. throughout the entire PGA Tour. So I'm probably certain that there's probably more to it than really being said. We're seeing just the small mm-hmm. parts of it. That's 
time. Well, I guess the question is, is a deal a deal? I mean, if if you decide that you're going to hire me for a, a certain amount to, to do to do something, whatever you want me to do, and, and we agree that this is going to be the fee structure, and then um, I, I come in and I perform, and, and you're, you're, the event that you've hired me for is a lot more successful than you anticipated, do you owe me more than I've agreed to? I, I guess, and my answer would be probably not. Maybe shame on me for not negotiating a better deal. Yes, I would probably agree with you on that. And at the same time, I would think that out of uh, gratitude for what I won, I'm sure that there was something else offered. Right. And said in that I don't really believe myself that he just said, here's 4000 here's 1000 see you later. I right. just I don't believe that one bit. I, these guys are way too nice if you meet these guys. Mm-hmm. And first of all, you're on tour. They're very polite. I'm, I'm sure. And I don't see it being a fake thing. But right. it is a contract, like you said, and he did obligate that. And um, what he did after that, uh, I guess. Uh, okay. All right. Good enough. Thanks to call. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Bill in Heartland. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. 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 Hey, um, my only thoughts on it is what's customary. You know, if, if you get in an enterprise like that, and Kuchar's a wealthy guy, and he's a nice person on top of it, but I can't believe that he wouldn't pay him at least something close to his customary, uh, what he did, uh, give to his normal caddy. Well, but of course, oh, with yeah. customary, you know, that that's with, with your regular, I, I mean, I understand that they're not technically employees, but normally, no. you know, your, your caddy is with you every week, so there's a different kind of relationship than just the guy you, you have on, on a week weekend do you, do you think he should get you mean so do you think he should actually get like 10 percent of the winnings well no no i don't uh, i don't think he you know if you're looking at half of the uh half of the customary 10 percent, yeah. i think that would be in the ballpark i think that's why so many people called out 50 55 grand because the caddy probably asked around what would be customary right for a non uh a non uh part of the team caddy and they said well half of what a regular caddy gets the regular caddy would get 110k so uh, you'd be looking somewhere in 50 mm-hmm. 55k interesting well th- th- i'll tell you how i come down on this and i guess it, I, I, it's it's hard for me to see uh, Matt Kuchar as necessarily being the bad guy. I mean, and I, let me let me give you the example I was talking about with one of the previous callers. Let's say he hires me, Jeff. We're going to have this event this weekend. We're going to have this this sales event, and we want you to come out and when we want to try to you know attract people to the event. And and here's the deal: I'll pay you X amount of dollars for showing up, and we're going to try to sell widgets. And uh, we'll, we'll structure it like this: if we sell X amount of widgets, I'll give you an extra grant. If we sell more than that, we'll We'll give you an, uh, a little bit more than that. How about that? Is that fair? And I say, sure, that, that's fair. And then we go out and we have we just blow the door off the widget sales and they sell all sorts of widgets. Well, I mean, okay, and the guy comes by and he says, okay, well, this is, you know, here, we, we had a great time. Maybe we'll have you back again. This was outstanding. Here's the amount of money that we agreed. And, and I, for me to say then, well, wait a second, this isn't what we agreed. You made all this extra money off of this appearance. And he would say, well, Jeff, no, this is, hey, you're a lawyer, man. You're a recovering lawyer. This is what you agreed to. Do I think I'd have a legitimate beef? And my answer is probably, my answer is no. I mean, if, if 
look, my guess is the caddy in this particular case was thrilled to get the work. Hey, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna make a name for myself. I'm going to get to, you know, caddy here. And he was offered, in this case, you know, $5,000, which is probably a lot more, which is definitely a lot more than he would have made in a typical weekend. If Matt Kuchar would have thrown him, you know, an extra ten or twenty grand, given that he won one point three million dollars, I wouldn't have had an objection to it. But do I think that he's got an entitlement to a hundred thousand or a hundred thirty thousand dollars or whatever the typical thing would be? No, I, my answer would be no because he didn't uh, agree to it. Just like if I go out and I help Eric Bilstad have the biggest weekend he's ever had selling widgets. Do I think that I'd be entitled to more money than he promised me? No. Maybe it just means you got to strike a better deal. That said, you know, if he had thrown him a little bit more money, I don't think that would have been the end of the world. It's 228. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I almost never retweet things because if you look at the trouble lots of people get in on Twitter, it's it's not because it's not stuff they wrote. It's things that they've retweeted from others. But in this case, I am making an exception. Earlier today, we talked about the man. His name is Taron Claiborne, who is the hit-and-run driver who hit and killed Brian Rodriguez a week ago today. Um, he is still a fugitive. Milwaukee Police Department just sent out a tweet that I have just passed on. Here's what they say. The Milwaukee Police Department is seeking the public's assistance in locating Mr. Taron A. Claiborne, who is wanted for the fatal hit-and-run crash that killed Mr. Brian Rodriguez on February 8th. Mr. Claiborne is a black male with a birth date of 2-17-88. He is approximately 5'6", 250 pounds. They have a photograph of him. Please call 414-935-7360 with any information about Mr. Claiborne's whereabouts. And my note was, I am glad to pass this on. And hopefully anybody who might have seen this guy or has any information about this will contact the Milwaukee police so they can begin the process of bringing him to justice. Do you use cash for stuff when you go out and buy stuff? Occasionally. If I have cash, I'll use it. Usually I have a credit card that I use. So, I mean, most of your purchases, would you say credit card or cash? Yes, credit card. Most credit card. Mm -hmm. Great. Credit card, you're younger. Credit cash. card, cash. Because I'm in the food. I'm a server. Oh, you're a server, so you use cash. Yeah. I, 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 the reason I bring this up is my wife tells me I'm a dinosaur for many reasons, but I, I, I carry cash. I use cash a, a, for a lot of stuff. Now, I mean, it's not like I don't have credit cards, and I use credit cards occasionally, but if I go someplace and it's like six bucks, I'm going to pay cash for it. I'm not one of those guys that uses the credit card for everything, but I understand that there's... I understand that as, as time moves on, more and more people just – I'm amazed, Eric, at how many people we work with who just don't carry cash. Oh, yeah, at all. Yeah, at none, no, right, yeah. none at all. Everywhere we go, right, and they, they say, well, you don't need it. Everybody takes credit cards. Even and, for like a $2 thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right, I- exactly. And the argument is, well, we don't want to have to fool around with cash and that we get points for mm-hmm. it or something, oh, yeah. so you oh, get yeah. money back. And and I'm not saying there's anything that's right or wrong. It's just, again, I, I will from time to time carry cash, and that's why – at restaurants we go to, people a lot of a lot of the servers like me quite a bit because I pay cash. <laughs> you know, I I, I I leave it and again, if if it's a really expensive meal or something, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but yeah, I'll use cash. Now the reason I bring this up is because there's a story out of Philadelphia. A number of restaurants in Philadelphia started adopt and retailers um, started adopting a policy that they, they don't take cash. It's it's credit cards or debit cards only. All right. Wow. So that well, okay. Well, here's the rest <laughs> of the story, and, and it's because they, they say it it speeds up transactions. You know, first of all, not a lot of their customers were carrying cash. Mm-hmm. It speeds up the transactions, and and they don't want. Which to me seems like a sort of bizarre thing because you pay fees if you're a retailer. You pay fees for 
for using the credit card. So you would think that you'd want to encourage people to pay cash, but I'm not a retailer. Anyhow, the reason I bring this up is last night, Philadelphia City Council passed an ordinance outlawing that practice, saying you, you can't be cash or debit card only. And their argument is their argument is that you that there are some people who don't have cash or credit. You're it's you're discriminating. Okay. Essentially right. that, that that this is unfair discrimination against perhaps the 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 you know that that segment of society that doesn't have access to credit cards. Well, maybe or whatever. You just charge them differently, like they do at the gas station. Where you, something like well, again, I don't know, but it's I, you know, it's interesting to me that now you have this trend where again these retailers and restaurants are saying, okay, we don't even want to fool around with dealing with cash, mm-hmm. and now the 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 blowback is no, you can't do it because it's discriminatory. Um, interesting, one way or the other. My prediction is, I think we are moving to a cashless society. I I do think. Not today, not tomorrow, but 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we we just don't do that. You'll be paying with your thumbprint. That's right. Get that implant there. All right. Well, I guess that's a thought. Anyhow, if you're in Philadelphia, you can still pay for cash. Coming up next, it is that time of the week. Believe me, I have been looking forward to this segment all week. Pop Culture Corner right around the corner. Think warm. Stick around. <laughs> 239, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. All right, it is that time of the week. We put aside the heavy lifting, and Lord knows there's been a lot of heavy lifting over the course of the last couple days. By the way, there is that breaking news story about a shooting in Illinois. We will continue to keep you updated. Certainly more details at the top of the hour, and if we get some confirmed information between now and then, we'll we'll break in and let you know about it. Right now, though, we do this for the final segment or so of every program on Friday afternoon, kind of a way to ease into the weekend. I call it Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes books, sometimes TV, sometimes restaurants, sometimes sports, whatever kind of going on in my life that uh, tickles my fancy for a given week that I hope will find be of interest to you as well. Well, here's the deal. As I mentioned earlier, I'm off next week, taking a week of vacation. I There is a point in time in every winter where I, I just, I reach the point personally that I'm just kind of done with winter. <laughs> I, I just, it, it's just the truth. And I understand winter's not done with me. And I understand that you, you know, you live in Wisconsin. So this is just kind of what you deal with. But there is a point in time every year. Sometimes it comes in January, sometimes in February, sometimes in March. For me, it was the, the, this week, it was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm just kind of done with this. And it's coming along at a good time because um, I'll be gone next week. We're just, uh, my wife and I are taking a, a vacation that we arranged a long time ago to, you know, one of our very favorite places in the country. So we're, we're very much looking forward to that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out of the cold. I, I hope it's warm for you here. And But I, I got to thinking about, you know, all the different places that you could, that you can travel. And I thought for Pop Culture Corner this week, we, we do, we do a road trip segment. Um, I kind of call it I got to get out of this place, you know, after the uh, after the you know old animal song. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is there's a lot of people thinking, gee, I, I'm really, I'm looking forward to my vacation. Or I, I wish I had some time saved up so I could go on vacation. Here is my question. Your absolute total favorite vacation spot if you had the opportunity sitting down at the beginning of the year, and I understand some places you, you visit, you know, it, it's better to visit a place at, you know, one time of the year as opposed to another. But here, here is my question for Pop Culture Corner. Your favorite place to go on vacation, it could be in the United States, 
It could be in Europe. It could be in Asia. It could be some South Sea island somewhere. But, you know, when you're looking to kind of just get away, kick back, relax, or educate yourself, or have fun, your favorite vacation spot, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Maybe you're thinking warm because it's been so cold lately. Doesn't matter. Maybe you're thinking cold. You want to go on that Alaskan cruise in August. That's cool with me, too. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your absolute favorite spot to vacation. That's Pop Culture Corner. My advice is typically, as I always say, call quickly because our phone lines do tend to jam up and go with your first instinct. Sometimes people tend to overthink this stuff. Gee, if I say I'm, this is it, will, will people think that it's silly? Nah, nah, there is no right or wrong answer. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your favorite vacation spot. When you just want to get away, where do you go? We discuss in just a moment. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 414-799-1620. It's Pop Culture Corner, your favorite spot to vacation. I'm taking next week off and going to chase the sunshine. All right. While Greg is lining up the calls, let's see. North Captiva Island. That's from Karen and Franklin. I was there uh, for a couple days last week. Uh, Bubba in West Bend says, my place in Eagle River, 300 feet of sand beach with 18 acres, uh, three-season house, and a cottage. Uh, let's see. Uh, here we have another one. Uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. This time of year to snowmobile. No bugs out there. Well, no, I guess that you're not going to have any bugs. Let's see. I'm 42 years old. This is from Don. I absolutely love going to Disney World. See, I just never, my brother, that sounds like my brother. I just never got the uh, roller coaster gene in our family. But Disney World is cool. Um, let's see. Lou says, Jeff, I'm heading to the San Antonio Riverwalk myself next week. You travel safe. But Vegas, any time of year, is still number one with me. Okay, 414-799-1620. Karen in Pewaukee. Karen, your place to go for vacation. It's got to be Key West. Okay, why Key West? Um, well, I took my honeymoon there, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of rich history, great climate. I can't say anything bad about it. And you've got Duval Street, and you've got all sorts of great music and great food and a wonderful island vibe. Exactly. Now, I, where's your favorite place to go in Key West? Uh, well, Duval Street. Um, right. There's a great place uh, for uh Pink Key West shrimp. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. You know, there's just a lot of places that I love to go down there and um, want to go back. We, Karen, we, we, you and I are kindred spirits, I guarantee it. 414-799-1620. Ginny in Brookfield. Hi, Ginny. You're on WTMJ. Well, hello. Hello. Uh, my, my favorite place is Cape May, New Jersey. Yes. On the Jersey Shore. But not with Snooky and all those kids. It's in the toe of New Jersey. Yeah, you know, it, it's what my um, my mom and dad were from from Baltimore. Well, my my mom was from Southern Maryland. My dad was from Baltimore. But when I was a little kid, they, Cape May that was one of the places that we would vacation. And it's a right. It's a completely different experience. It's not the Jersey Shore. It's not Wildwood. <laughs> you know, it's something completely different. No, no it, the whole town is a national historic landmark with lots of Victorian homes and Victorian hotels. Right. A lovely, lovely place. Definitely an adult and young family place. Uh, gotta love it. North. Okay, thanks for the call. Cape May, New Jersey. Works for me. Lori in St. Francis. Hi, Lori. You're on WTMJ. Hi. 
favorite place to go for vacation if you got to get out of this place? Lake Tahoe. All right. What time of year? Um, fall. Okay. All right. So yep. before before Beautiful. snow and stuff. But yeah, okay. But we love the snow, too. <laughs> I haven't done it in the winter yet. Right. My next... Next trip is a winter trip. Lake Tahoe, completely and totally different experience than going to Vegas, right? Oh God, yes. yes. <laughs> or or going to Reno. I mean, it's, it's just it's just it's a different experience. Yes, it is outdoorsy. Yeah. We're we're outdoorsy people. Right. We love to hike. We love we like to ski. Yeah, all that. It, it yeah. you know thanks to color. I mean, it, Lake Tahoe. Okay, let's t- putting skiing aside. Some people might roll their eyes when I say it, it kind of reminds me of Door County in a way. In a, in, in in a way, I mean, you're not, you know, but it, I, I, I could see that in the fall. Let's talk to Tyler in Oconomowoc. Tyler, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing, Jeff? I am well. Okay, when you got to get out of this place, where do you want to go? I, I love going down to Naples, Fort Myers area. Uh huh. Um, and you got this silky white sandy beaches, crystal clear blue water. You got Sanibel and Captiva Island right there. Right. And I, that's all I do is I wake up. I go to the beach, I spend the day at the beach. You can set the rain by the clock around 3 o'clock. Right. Right. No, it no th- thanks for the call. It it, it is that my my wife, she's been going on a girls trip down there with friends of hers for decades and a couple couple weeks ago I I did a quick trip down to that area. I went down on Wednesday, came back on Saturday. So that doesn't count as a full vacation like I'm taking next week. But we we were down in that area. I I love the Naples area, Bonita Springs, and I did exactly what you talk about. We went over to Sanibel and Captiva and just hung out at the beach one day. It was super. 414-799-1620. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. When you're looking to get out of this place, where do you go? Well, my favorite family vacation for warm weather of all time was when my parents took my sister and I to uh, Oahu, Hawaii when I was like okay. in fifth grade. Oahu, so you Waikiki Beach and Pearl Harbor and all that stuff. Yeah, the, the beach is awesome. You know, the Pearl Harbor is very educational, but the people I remember the people being very friendly um, and the food being awesome, but I don't recommend trying to pet the mongoose like I tried to when I was Thanks Thanks for the call. I... Uh, um, I, I'm a. I've I've only been to Hawaii once, and we 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 stayed a few days on Oahu, which is it, it's it's where it's it's Honolulu, and I, I liked it. I was glad I saw Pearl Harbor. Waikiki Beach is great, but it, it candidly it kind of reminded me of like any big warm weather city. It reminded me sort of a Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but then then for the last part of our vacation, we went over to Maui. And to me, Maui was just spectacular. And I haven't been to some of the other islands, but I know that there's people who like them even better. Ferris in South Milwaukee. Ferris, when you got to get away, where do you go? Oh, uh, I've been there once, and that was uh, Australia in the, the spring of uh, 2001. Okay. Luckily in the spring, because obviously after uh, the incident later, I mean, it would have been impossible. But going all the way out to... Uh, Australia, 14 hours to get there by plane, and then when I was there, uh, got off in Sydney. The first major stop I, I went to was a, a hostel there at the Pitwater, which was the uh, northern part of uh, Sydney. Okay. You actually get their local transportation, and then you're in this beautiful hostel. Uh, did, did you that, did you go over to, uh, did you get over to New Zealand or just Australia? No, 
just Australia. Okay. Twelve days. And then after. Okay, I'm sorry. I got. I want to try to get to a couple other people. Yeah, it's interesting because as you mentioned that, um, I have another text. Easily New Zealand. I've been there twice. It's not crowded. Empty sandy beaches. Can catch. Can see glaciers, mountains, and a beach all in one week. I have never. I've never been there because it takes so long to get there. But I, I, people who I know have gone have loved it. Let's see. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona for spring training. Okay, I'm, I I have never been to a spring training game. I never have been, and we have some very dear friends, our friends George and Judy and a couple other friends who have places that are out there, and they were kind enough to invite us this year, and I was trying to figure out a way to make it work, and it just, like, we couldn't do it this year, but um, wow. All right, here's another text. Jeff, Key West every time. I've been so many times. My husband and I were lucky to get married there. We would go back in a heartbeat. A lot of that type of stuff that's out there. Let's see. Um, let's see. Roosevelt National Park, uh, Black Hills of South Dakota. I mean, Black Hills are spectacular. Um, a lot of great choices that are out there. Bottom line is this is the time that we start thinking about vacations because, I don't know. I mean, I understand we live in Wisconsin. We're tough. We're hardy. But you know, sometimes that appeal of the warmer weather, well, that's kind of overpowering. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of us start thinking about spring training and baseball and the warm sun in Arizona. And by the way, you can hear the first couple of spring training baseball games here on WTMJ starting a week from tomorrow. All right. When we come back, John McCure is on the road with the We Love Wisconsin Tour. We'll find out where he is. Stick around. 254 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, that's it for me. A quick reminder, um, the folks at Good Karma Broadcasting are kind enough to give me some vacation time that I can take during the winter, so I think it would be rude not to. I am off next week. Scott Warris and then Jerry Bader are going to be in for me. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620, I will, I'll send a couple photographs along from where we end up. I'm back a week from Monday, I promise. I am coming back. He's on the road right now. He's coming back, too, but first... John McCure, where are you? Hey, Jeff, we're at a great place, the West Dallas Cheese and Sausage Shop. This is a beautiful location, lots of fresh, locally sourced stuff. You can get a bite to eat here. You can get something to drink. It's gorgeous. We'd love for people to come on out and say hello. We are going to be here until 6 o'clock tonight. A couple of things on this afternoon show. We are following breaking news out of the Chicago area. There are reports that four police officers have been shot at a facility in Aurora, Illinois. So we are monitoring that situation. We'll bring you the latest on that as we know it and as we head through the afternoon. Uh, Boy, just a rough, rough week for law enforcement. So we are on top of that story. We'll bring you the very latest. Arctic tailgate is underway. Time to talk a little bit of baseball. Doug Russell's going to do just that. He is at the Arctic tailgate. And let me tell you, the sun looks bright outside, but there is chilly air, that's for sure. So Doug will get us caught up on everything happening there, including a conversation with the Brewers' great Gorman Thomas, who will be with us live coming up at 520 this afternoon. The president talks on the border wall and declaring a national emergency. The latest on that, we're in the nation's capital live at 340 this afternoon. And a chat with the tourism secretary. She is so delightful. She is Sarah Meany talking about nightlife options throughout the state of Wisconsin. That comes your way at 350. And guess what? Not once, not twice, but three times today, we will give away tickets to see John Fogarty, who is coming to Milwaukee. It's Wisconsin's afternoon news. We're on the road at the West Dallas Cheese and Sausage Shop.